You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Today I want to look at a couple things. There's a couple little tiny notes that I want to just, I guess, tell you. Things that you probably know, but uh, we're going to talk about it anyways, because that's how it goes. This isn't a breaking news show, okay? This is a podcast. And then there's only two other things. Um, The first is something that's been going around quite a bit, and it's the question of Brandon Cooks. He's a very well-liked wide receiver. Um, I don't necessarily mean personality, but in terms of uh, how good of a player he is, I would venture to say overrated, but good. I'm not in any way saying he's bad, and I, I definitely think if he came here Um, He would likely be the number two, not including any draft prospect. But looking at that and kind of trying to go through my thoughts on bringing him here, I'm sure you probably already can guess on that, but I want to at least lay it out there and and kind of the thought process behind it. In other words, I'm going to tell you why the answer is no. And then finally, we're going to continue on with our um, trying to keep it positive thing by highlighting another really good game. Um... What I'm going to do is, similar to yesterday, highlight a player's best game ever. That's not really the goal. That's just kind of my process right now of finding good games. That'll get switched up over time, but I just thought that would be kind of like a dual thing. Like, here's a really good game to watch. Also, it just so happens to be this player's best game ever, so go check it out. Here's a little hint for you. Something to think through. I'll try to leave some breadcrumbs, see if you can find the answer. This player's best game was this year. However, he is, in fact, a veteran been around a little while. I mean, now that I think about it, if you don't know who it is, <laughs> you should probably be able to narrow it down. Anyways, I may have ruined this. That's fine. It doesn't matter. I like surprises, okay? I am pretty obnoxious with surprises. I don't know why. I'm like a little kid. The amount of times I come home from grocery shopping and tell my wife she's not allowed to come into the kitchen is, is kind of silly, actually. Unnecessary, to be sure. But that's it. That's what the agenda is today. So anyways, if you wouldn't mind jumping in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, that's where all the magic happens, and and so we're clear. And I've been trying this for a while, and and never really very successfully. We did a little bit last year with the draft and whatnot. Um, Just letting you know, behind the scenes, I am gearing up, um, trying to get some live stream stuff going on. I know I talked about it a little bit before, uh, tried something last weekend, wasn't very successful at all. I'm trying to re-remember things. I'm, I'm re-remembering other programs that I used that I really liked, that had different features that I think could be useful. And so probably going to try again a little test run this weekend. Again, a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. That's why, you know, I make promises and then they don't happen. It doesn't mean I'm not doing anything. I'm just, I'm not ready yet. So anyways, make sure you're in the Facebook group and like the Facebook page because it's going to go to one of those two places, ideally both. And the goal being... That when the draft rolls around, we can do something kind of fun. I don't know for sure if I'm going to do that. The only reason I really wouldn't, because I, I probably should, is because I've been doing a lot with my son about this and trying to explain how this stuff works. He's five. He still doesn't quite understand the difference between college football and the pros, so that's kind of a complication. Like the, the, These guys are lower, and then they go to over here. But we watch prospects together. It's kind of fun. 
he just freaks out. Sometimes it's like I want to do it by myself so I don't have to, you know, get every one of his takes every five seconds. But, man, if he sees football and he freaks out, ooh, which one? Which guy are we watching? The, the guy with the – they circled him right there. That's what we're doing. But it's fun, and it's, you know, I don't want to be like, all right, go upstairs. i got to do a live stream because it's, you know, I don't know. We'll see. One of them, by the way, that I'm considering using, the software, gives me the ability to broadcast to Patreon. So at the very least, I thought it might be fun, especially since I'm taking days off now on the weekends, just because I can and I feel like it, and I like sleeping. By the way, I've been checking my Fitbit. I've yet to get six hours of sleep. I'm somewhere between four and a half and about five and a half hours of sleep a night. So that's that explains why I'm so tired all the time. And um, I, I need that one day to recharge. But anyways... Um, one of them gives me the opportunity to broadcast into Patreon with all the extra little gadgets and gizmos and stuff that you can do. So I thought that could be kind of fun. Do like a weekly live stream. And one of the things you can do is you broadcast into Patreon and you can actually select people and give them the ability to actually, you know, come into the chat. I don't know. I, I didn't pay for the dumb thing. I just thought it would be kind of a fun thing. I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but I'm letting you know that you should be in the Facebook group. You should like the Facebook page. And if you want to... To support the show, Patreon would be a great place to do that. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. There is a link in the description. Some people uh, have an aversion to Patreon. There are other ways to support the show. The links are also in the description. If you don't want to do it monetarily, but you do appreciate the show and you want to help out, leaving a five-star iTunes review would be greatly appreciated. They finally put the numbers back. I don't know if it was doing that for you. I couldn't see my numbers anymore, which is upsetting because I got some pretty good metrics on there. Not that iTunes cares enough to bump me up the ratings because, oh, look, he's got some of the best ratings of any Packers podcast. No, 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 put him 19th on the list. But still, for my own personal, you know, feeling good about life, I like to look at it. Bottom line is, though, we're encroaching on 400 reviews, and I would not be upset if we got there. Hello, alarm clock. But um, I think that's it. Why don't we take a break, and uh, we'll, we'll look at these things. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the first thing I wanted to mention, and again, I know you already know this, but the NFL draft currently is going forward, and it's going to be a virtual draft. First of all, I'm, I don't know, I'm excited 
that there's going to be a draft. I'm also excited that if I were to do something like a live stream and this was done online, which maybe it maybe it won't be. Maybe it's still going to be televised, but it'll just be a weird like <laughs> Skype call or something dumb. I don't know. I can't imagine the uh, whatever TV channel that would be broadcast on would be super thrilled about that quality. But if it is anywhere online, that means I'd be able to pull that into the live stream and we could literally watch it together, which would be fantastic. Probably not supposed to do that, but I also don't super care. Just just keeping it reals, man. I uh, I don't care. There is a little bit of a concern. Not, I mean, I don't want to sound spoiled, but maybe I am a little bit of, of the quality. However, the thought of some of these guys fumbling around with technology and i know this is not what's going to happen but just picture some of these gms who are a little older i mean i i don't know just in my mind again i'm 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 entirely making this up but i i really would love for this to happen like a giant zoom call and you got (laughs) you got roger goodell trying to do his intro and then you hear bill belichick in the background I don't know how to mute this. It is just, it's muted, right? And then Roger, hey, you're not muted. Hey, Bill. I just feel like that would be the greatest thing ever. Or like a giant fantasy football draft. And then they're, you know, some team's computer locks up and they start freaking out. And somebody tells them it's their turn and then they finally get their computer back up and they're trying to figure out where that guy went that they like. And then they see some team already took him and flip out and then like get in the, the chat. Like, ah. Oh! Took my guy. I hate you. Can I can I trade you for him right now? It's destined to, destined to be a failure, and I'm kind of excited about it. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's gonna be what it is. And, and again, the the one thing in all seriousness, that's those things are jokes. Um, aside from things are gonna go wrong, and I'm I'm I am a little excited about that because it's funny. But in all seriousness, the one thing that kind of gets me excited, and I've I've kind of maybe talked about this, but the lack of information isn't necessarily a bad thing. I know we're all kind of upset, like, well, that's not fair, and da-da-da-da. The the draft recently has become very predictable. I mean, there's always surprises, but it's kind of like everybody knows, you know, Joe Burrow, and then then maybe Jeff Okuda, maybe a Trey, you know. It's going to be within the spectrum of what you thought, and even a crazy pick, you know, last year... um, Man, I'm already forgetting last year's guys' names. It's amazing how these guys are just second nature is in there as though you're in they're in your family and then next year you forget already the clemson guy that the raiders took that was shocking but shocking by what like seven picks five picks because it was assumed that he could go early just he went five six seven picks earlier than expected it's not it's not that wildly crazy now take that and amplify that by the fact that some of these teams don't have information some of these teams are going to be making decisions based on that lack of information, meaning we're not touching this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, at least until this time, because the risk is higher. And it's risk that wouldn't exist had we had more information, the ability to meet them in person, the ability to go to their pro day. And so what it means is things that are assumed based on last year's tape, which is what we're basically going off of, us and, and the media and everybody else, you look at the tape and you understand who people like, and blah, 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 blah. And everything just kind of falls into place. But now there's going to be these different factors. There's risk factors. There's bad information. There's some teams that maybe have better information than others. It just creates sort of an unfairness, which is a good thing. Because if it just comes down to 
everybody has all the information and everybody knows everything, that makes things horrible. Like, imagine if you could see the future and knew which the players were best. The draft would be useless. I mean, it would happen, but how boring would that be? It would just go in order. And, you know, there would be a couple where it's like, well, you're going to pick between these three players, but it would just go in order all the way through. That's not fun. You want a little bit of variety. You need some teams that are better than others at, at figuring things out. You need inequality in the NFL and in sports to make it fun. Otherwise, it's no fun. And I guess what I'm saying is this is, is going to exaggerate that inequality. These certain franchises that are more organized, that have done more work, that are you know, more, I guess, intelligent to think on the fly and, and create a system to figure this thing out, how are we going to operate within this environment? They're going to have an advantage over the teams that don't. For me, that's exciting. May the best man win. And again, when you have an environment in which everybody all has the exact same information, it's not may the best man win anymore. It's just the bad teams get the better players, and then we move on. No, man. I want to see some studs slide to the fourth round just because I, I didn't, didn't even have a chance. I didn't even know who that guy was. Or seventh round even, because he's some D3 kid that, you know, I would have checked out if I had the opportunity, but we can't go visit him. And I'm not going to draft some guy just on hearsay. My scout saw him back in November and said he was pretty good. We should go check him out, but I couldn't check him out. We couldn't bring him in. We couldn't do anything. So I don't know now. And maybe that's what it'll be. Maybe it'll be a lot of the later round guys that um, you really want to get some good intel on that you can. And there's always the negative spin of some of these guys deserve opportunities and probably aren't going to get any. You know, some of these guys just don't get called. And that's going to be pretty unfortunate for them. But again, I'm just trying to put a little bit of a positive spin on what is a pretty negative situation. And I, I'm, I mean everything that I said. I'm not just lying to make it sound positive. I genuinely think it's a good thing. Less technology, less meetings, less information creates more variety, more ability for teams at, for example, 30 to get a stud player because there's going to be more incompetent teams making more incompetent decisions. And that's a good thing when you happen to be a fan of a franchise that is not one of the incompetent franchises. They do dumb stuff. Everyone does dumb stuff. Because everybody's just kind of guessing 90% of the time. But um, that little bit of an edge is going to be huge. Potentially, you know, I don't know. Other little bit of news. Uh, Hard Knocks apparently is going to do two franchises this year. Uh, presumably because they're going to go to L.A. and they're like, you know what, since we're here, let's do both. And we'll make it seem like we're doing something crazy, but really it's just a matter of we might as well. But yeah, the plan is, I guess, to do the Rams and the Chargers. Obviously, the... Little asterisks there next to this statement is, assuming any of this even happens. We don't know anything right now, but if there is a hard knocks, etc., etc., the plan will be to do the Rams and the Chargers. So that should be interesting. I'm not sure why anyone would be super interested in watching the Chargers, but I guess anytime you can get into a locker room and whatnot, it could be kind of entertaining. The entertainment value for the Rams is pretty much just McVeigh, I think. So it's, I don't know. I always get excited about Hard Knocks and then a little bit let down. Sometimes I don't, don't even finish it. But the thing is, I say that now because I'm immersed in stuff, but you get that long drought where you just need football desperately, and that's where the excitement for Hard Knocks comes in, and I'm sure that'll hit me. If it, if it were on now, it would be, you know, I guess it, it would be on the rotation of things to watch. So anyways, that's that. Um, on to bigger topics. Let's actually start with, uh, with Brandon Cooks. Right off the bat, there, let's look at several components here. Brandon Cooks is a uh, former first-round pick, 26 years old. 
his statistics have been um, solid, to say the least. He started off with New Orleans. Um, by his second year, he had 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Next year with New Orleans, 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. He went to New England for one year, got 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. Then he went to the Rams and got nearly 1,500 yards and five touchdowns. Now, last year, the Rams in general were nowhere near as productive. He had 583 yards and two touchdowns. It was his worst year since his rookie year. It was actually probably a little bit worse. 550 and three touchdowns is what he had. So the production, aside from a couple little blips, has been um, has been solid. He's not old. 4-3-3 speed. And so in general, the idea is, especially when, whenever people talk about trading for a player to the Packers, there's always a bump in what people think of him. If you were to ask just last year on a whim, where does Brandon Cooks rank on the list of top wide receivers? Especially if Packer fans thought maybe you were coming for Devontae's throat, they'd drop him down into, I don't know, he's, he's, he's a starter. He's decent. You start talking about, and I'm not saying this is the case, but if you were to start talking about the Packers are interested in Brandon Cooks, suddenly Brandon Cooks in Packers fans' minds would become a top 10 wide receiver. It's amazing how that happened. Based on if we're looking at PFF grades, which is, I mean, you can look at stats all you want, and if you want to be a purist and go watch film, fine. If you have that much time, every time we talk about a person to go watch film, go ahead and do it. But uh, the guy, so I know some guys that did watch his film every single snap, every single game, and grade every single play. Based on their grading system, talking about PFF, he was the 61st overall wide receiver in the NFL this last year. Now, it was a down year. However, last year was an up year. So this year, he had, his overall grade was a 68, which is pretty close to being good, but not quite. Last year, his grade was an 81, but even that is not, that's an outlier. His grades prior to that were a 70, 73, 73, 68. So rated about 70 is his average. So if we look at 2017, his one year with New England, 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns, 70 overall grade. I would say that's a fair representation, maybe a little high on yardage, but a relatively fair representation of what Cooks has been giving uh, over the years. In 2017, his grade ranked him as the 44th best wide receiver in football, and that's with, um, you know, filters, meaning of, of all the guys that legitimately started. So he's good, and his stats have been incredible. If you want to just look at stats, I mean, you look at guys in his range as far as where he's ranked as, you know, Sterling Shepard. He's down with Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard had 700 yards and two touchdowns. Kelvin Benjamin is one spot higher, 600 yards and three touchdowns. So statistically, he does a great job. And the, I guess, a strong case you could make for him is it's hard to say that he's just doing well in a particular system because he did it for New Orleans, he did it for New England, he did it for the Rams. So it's not a case of a good but not great wide receiver just having a good environment. I think what you could say that it is, though, is the, the, a reason for the big numbers is the fact that he's kind of a big play guy. If you look at yards per reception, and this is in 2017, which again was a relatively decent representation of what he is on a year-to-year basis. 16.6 is his yards per reception. That would be 10th in the NFL. He's a big play guy. Big play guys get big yardage. He didn't have a ton more receptions than guys in his area. He just had more yard. And big plays also do probably more often convert to touchdown. Again, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just giving information for you to draw your own conclusion. Now, the, the issue is, and again, I'm not trying to say he's a bad wide receiver because he's not. However, trying to assess his actual value so that we can look at what it would cost to bring him in. 
which right off the bat, I've already said the Packers are capped out. They do have money, but they kind of don't have money. Unless they're going to do something, whether that be an extension or reworking a contract to free up money, I just don't see much else happening here. However, I, uh, I think I had somebody reach out, and I believe what was said is that he would be tradable for about a fourth-round pick. So I think automatically most people think Brandon Cooks, I mean, first of all, he was traded, I want to say twice for first-round pick, at least once. I know New England traded him, and they got a first-round pick for him. I, th- I almost think they traded a first-round pick to get him, though, and then they recouped their first to trade him away. I don't know. So a fourth is, is a great value, but here's the thing. People tend to forget that you're also trading a contract. And so the question is, first of all, how much money do you have? How much money are you willing to spend at wide receiver? Then you look at Brandon Cooks and you say, okay, and I don't think this would be exact in terms of what the Packers would be paying, but he has cap hits at 16.8, 16.8, 17.8, 17.4. So you've got this guy that technically is kind of a number two wide receiver based on his grades that is being paid like Devontae. That's point number one. The question then is, okay, so this is how much money you have. This is how much you're willing to spend. Do you think that that's a good value? First of all, I don't. I think that's too much money for Brandon Cook. However, if you looked at that and you said, you know what, I think that's a good value for Brandon Cooks, and we have the money and we're willing to pay because we want Brandon Cooks that much, so we're willing to pay Devontae money to bring in Brandon Cooks, then the question is, okay, and what are you willing to give above that? Remember, this is already probably overvaluing Brandon Cook. And now the team's saying, okay, I need more. Because remember, they're not getting any of that money. That's going to Brandon Cooks. The Rams are saying, okay, but what about me? And so if you're the Packers, you're looking at it, you're saying, okay, we don't have any money. And we already have some options at wide receiver. And we've kind of satisfied it with Funches. Not that that really solves a problem, but it's hard to justify getting Funches and then getting Cooks and then drafting somebody. But then, again, you've got that, that other component of we need to draft somebody. And so we're, we're going to be doing that. And now you got to ask the question, what additional draft capital are you going to give up on top of this pretty exorbitant amount of money that you're going to be paying Brandon Cooks? And, and, and remember, it's not as easy as saying, well, we'll just give him a new contract. Well, that's kind of up to Brandon Cooks, too. You can't just bring him in and say, okay, we're going to dissolve this contract. Because you're, you're just buying a contract. And when you buy his contract, that's where he plays now. If you buy the contract and dissolve it and say, okay, I'm giving you a new one, he can just say no. Because once you dissolve that contract, he's no longer your, under your employ. So you can bring him in and say, okay, we want to rework your contract and pay you less, and he more than likely is just going to laugh at you. So this is his contract. This is what he's getting paid. Now, the only way this doesn't happen, and we've seen this with other players, and it may happen with Brandon Cooks if other teams come to the same conclusion that he's being paid too much, if the Rams don't want to pay him and they can't trade away this contract because the Rams are horrible with contracts, as we've learned, which is why they're going to continue to decline because the individuals that are running that team are doing a horrible job, which is a shame because they hired a good coach who's very capable of um, helping a team win, but they're just destroying that team with no ability to build a roster. But if once again, they're stuck in a situation where you have a guy that's overpaid, you can't move him because nobody wants to pay. They Everybody wants Brandon Cooks. Of course the Packers want Brandon Cooks. Nobody wants to pay this much and give up draft capital, and the Rams aren't going to trade him for nothing. So what they end up doing is they're just going to cut him and get nothing. Then he becomes a free agent. Then teams can offer him contracts. As, the, as it stands, though, the reason Brandon Cooks isn't going anywhere is because nobody wants to pay above and beyond $17 million. And again, it's probably less because that signing bonus is $1.4 million. Other teams that take him on are not going to be paying that signing bonus. 
but you subtract 1.4 million, it's still a lot of money. And so a, a good destination for Brandon Cooks, and, and part of the reason that some teams that are wide receiver needy and do have money maybe aren't jumping at the opportunity to trade for him is because they believe that he's about to get cut. Maybe you're just playing that game where it's like, nobody's going to take this. We're going to wait for him to get cut, and we're going to offer him something. The reason that you would offer something above and beyond is because you want to make sure you're the team that win. But again, if, if this is not a good value, you should not pay him. But a team that would make sense is a team that has more money than the Packers, has a need for a number one, because I think Brandon Cooks can be that. He's not Devontae good, but also if you already have a Devontae, you know, paying this much for Brandon Cooks, because you're paying number one money for him. And maybe a team that, that has so many needs, you don't really want to expend a first-round pick on a wide receiver, because it's, I don't want to say it's a luxury pick, because wide receivers are very important. But, you know, I mean, if, if you're picking at 15-ish or, or a little earlier and you desperately need offensive line help, there's some really good offensive linemen, you don't want to pick Jerry Judy over Mackie Becton. You'd probably rather just pay a guy like Brandon Cooks and then draft an offensive lineman. That's my assumption anyways. But bottom line is, I don't think, th- th- there's no way. He's way too much money and, and it's, it's not just this year. We got two years of stacked wide receiver classes in the draft. Why would you spend all your money, and not just now, future money? We got to pay this man 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. Now, not necessarily, because you could always cut him, but st- still, come on, man. No, I mean, I, I understand that you get excited about, man, just imagine the team with Brandon Cooks, but when you actually look at what would have to happen, and would that be a responsible, t- no. There's nothing responsible about that whatsoever. Even if they had money, giving up a fourth-round pick and paying him number one money to be a number two, even a very productive one, even at, I mean, 1,200 yards and, and seven touchdowns, is that's hard to just easily walk away from, especially when the team's out there saying, look, I'll, I'll take almost nothing for him. Give me a fourth-round pick for him. Come on. It's got to be hard for there There's got to be somebody right on the edge of their seat. Like, I, just, I know it's not the right thing to do, but let's just do it, and then we got him. Let's be irresponsible for a, for a minute here and go win a Super Bowl, for crying out loud. I don't know the Ravens' financial situation. Don't care to look it up, but man, that would be nice. But again, the other part is we got a whole draft we're going through. Let's just draft somebody. And we just drafted a wide receiver last year, so I, I don't know, man. For the Packers, though, it just doesn't make any sense, so no thank you. Anyways, if y'all are ready, um, please open your game pass to the 2019 season. Chapter 1, verse 1. Maybe verse 18, I guess. I don't know, 18th week. Or 19th. Anyways, this is Devontae Adams's best game of his entire career. So here's what I want to start off with. The growth for Devontae Adams. When I went through and looked at, okay, what was his best game? Just out of curiosity. The, the, the growth of this guy, which hasn't ended at any point. We have not seen the end of his continued growth. But from 2014 to 2015, he had, in terms of grades, one game in the 80s, three games in the 70s. In two years, 2014 and 2015, again, people saying, well, he was good, you just didn't know. No, he wasn't good. He became good. In 2016, he had three games in the 80s just in that one year, five in the 70s. However, still had seven games graded as below average. So he had some really big games that kind of show you a glimmer of what he can do, but he still had some terrible games on tape in 2016. Then in 2017 was arguably his breakout. You could say 2016, whatever. But he had five games that were graded in the 80s, two games that were graded in the 70s, and only two were below average. So not only did he improve the amount of games in which he was stupendous, 
but he limited his games in which he didn't play very well down to two. In 2018, he had his very first game in the 90s, which is PFF's way of saying he was elite in that game. He had five games again in the 80s, five in the 70s, and only one was below average in 2018. 2019, however, two games graded out as elite, including, obviously, his best game ever. He had only two games in the 80s, but, you know, combined, we're talking four, uh, uh, 80 or above. Three games in the 70s, but the, the one of the best aspects of this is, although he didn't super improve on games, let's say, above 70, his games below zero, or <laughs> below 70 dropped to, or uh, below average, so below 60 were zero. He didn't have one bad game all year. That's that's really, really unheard of. And I know, again, I, I spent a lot of time on PFF, probably too much time. But by doing that, you get a look at what most players go through. And a common mantra for me is everybody has bad games. Everybody has bad games. It happens. Rodgers has bad games. Devontae has bad games, whatever. Devontae did have average games, which by his standard is bad. But to literally never once be graded out as a bad... Look at all the bad games that we had. This guy never once had a bad game this year, ever. That blows me away. So not only was 2019 his best year, and, and, and not just by... You know, it depends how you want to look at it. But if you just look at his overall grade, it was slightly higher than last year. But his best ever game was in the playoffs against Seattle. Which is to say, the ascent continues. His best game just literally just happened it was two games ago but that's the game i want to go through with you and, and kind of do what i did yesterday and just sort of relive it and because it's more um it's more recent it's a little bit more evident and it's amazing how much i already i don't want to say forgot because i remember it once it gets repeated but it was like oh yeah that's that's awesome i remember that now what a, what a fantastic game that was it wasn't perfect by any stretch but Devontae just carried this team. I mean, there were a, a couple little highlights outside of Devontae, and obviously Rodgers deserves a lot of credit um, because he was phenomenal in that game as well. But, oh my goodness. So let's go through it, shall we? End on a high note here. In this game, very first drive, Devontae had a 14-yard catch on the second play. Six plays later, Rodgers hits Devontae for a 20-yard touchdown. So that's how the game started. Two plays to Devontae. Uh, I believe it was... Two targets, two receptions for 34 yards and a touchdown. However, the next two drives the Packers went on, they went three and out. They're trying to run the ball. They're trying to do all this other stuff, and nothing's working. They go three and out twice. The third, well, I, technically this would be the fourth drive now, whether it's Rodgers or LaFleur or whatever, the decision was made, okay, this is dumb. We need to go back to Devontae and spark a drive. So here's what happened on the fourth drive. First play, 11 yards to Devontae. Second play, 18 yards to Devontae. Third play, 15 yards to Devontae. They went from the Packers 25 to Seattle 31 in three plays. All of them to Devontae, all of them above 10 yards. That drive ended with a one-yard touchdown run by Aaron Jones. The theme of this game is if you want to win, feed Devontae. Pump the ball to Devontae over and over and over because they can't stop him. On the next drive, they clearly lost or, or, or uh, had officially learned their lesson. After a three-yard run from Jones, Rodgers hits Devontae for a 10-yard pass to move the sticks. And because they already started on kind of a short field, this was after a missed field goal, they were already within range. A couple plays later, Aaron Jones punches in another one-yard touchdown. That's another theme in this. Even if he isn't getting hit three times in a row for 40 yards or whatever it was, 
all this other stuff, you know, Aaron Jones does this and this and that. When it comes time to, okay, enough is enough. Let's get this first down. Now it's Devontae and a little bit of Jimmy, but just, just that he is the spark. Every single time he's the spark. On the following drive, after Seattle responded with a touchdown, the Packers are facing what looks to be a three and out, but Rodgers hits Jimmy Graham for 27 yards. So Jimmy gets the opportunity to be a spark a couple times. I'm sure you remember how this game ended. Only two plays later. So so remember, this, this drive just started. They run two plays. We're facing third down. It's third and long. We're in trouble, right? Seattle just responded. They're coming back. It's 14-7. We need a play. He hits Jimmy for 27 yards. Two plays later, hits Devontae Adams on a 40-yard touchdown pass. By the way, this was the, that, that touchdown by, by Seattle, that was the start of the second half. And so if you think about it, if, if he doesn't hit Jimmy on that, what you have is opening drive by Seattle is a touchdown, and then the Packers go three and out. Jimmy Graham sparked that, and then they just put the nail in the coffin with Devontae Adams' 40-yard touchdown. The momentum stays with the Green Bay Packers. On the next drive, you do have two runs, and then they go to Devontae. They tried but the pass gets knocked down, three and out. The Seahawks come back and score a touchdown. So I, mean, I skipped a couple pack, or Seahawks score. But at this point, Seattle is coming strong, and it's 23-28. to 28. The next drive sputters, no Devontae. Now it's panic time. Now it's not just we need the offense to do something, we need the defense to step up. Because if Seattle goes down and scores, they take the lead. Fortunately, Preston Smith comes up with a huge third down sack. There's only two minutes left. Packers are really needing to burn the clock, and so what do they do? They turn to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was called twice in a row. He gets two yards in two plays. He's not going anywhere. Now it's panic time. What do you do? What has been the lesson of this entire game? If you need a play, you maybe look to Jimmy, but I primarily we're looking at Devontae. Guess what happened? Third and eight from the Packers' own 22 with a little over two minutes left. Rodgers hits Devontae Adams on a 32-yard pass. That was very close to sealing the game. Obviously, it kind of, you know, it got close one more time. The final pass of the game, Jimmy Graham, you remember that pass more than likely, quote-unquote controversial. He did because the yellow line was like two yards off. It was ridiculous. Definitely, clearly a first down. But in general, again, what I'm trying to do is highlight great games. And I know you just saw it, but by all means, go look at it. But the other, the way in which I'm doing that is highlighting certain players' best games. And that was an incredible game. Devontae Adams, and those are just the plays in which he got the ball. I, it would be fun to go back and look and just see, did they ever, ever even come close to shutting him down? There was one pass that got defended. So presumably, unless it was just a terrible pass, he was covered fairly well. But the, the, the absolute domination, and, and make no mistake, this is not the Legion of Boom anymore, but to, to single-handedly embarrass a team to that level, to be so good that this that you are a one-man wrecking crew. And it, it really just goes to show how important the position can be and what happens when you do have a very talented quarterback that can get the ball to a guy if he can just get open. Imagine a team, which isn't hard to do because we've had this team in, in, in the past where Aaron Rodgers has several weapons. When Devontae is just going off, he can just feed Devontae all day. Imagine now you have two guys similar to that skill level. And if the Packers do get a first-round wide receiver, it's not impossible that a guy is, is I don't want to say as good as Devontae, but he's, he's very, very good. Call him a top-20 wide receiver. You get two guys now that are just destroying cornerbacks, and it's just going to be lights out. And again, remember, I'm not talking about abandoning the defense because we don't have one. We have one. We have a defense that can stop drives. And if the Packers just get back to that point in which they have an unstoppable offense, 
you can have a little bit of leeway in terms of the defense's struggle. Also, something else to keep in mind. It's really, really, really hard, and I think this is extremely important. The way in which the Packers lost, again, largely, not entirely, was to teams that are very good at running the ball who decided, we're just going to run the ball. You know what teams can't just run the ball? Teams that are down by 21. The way in which you take a team like the 49ers and say, you know what, we're going to have to start throwing, is you rack up points offensively. You get a lead, and do you know how you get a lead? Obviously, the defense has to get a couple stops in there, which might be a tall order, but whatever. You get an offense that's unstoppable. If, if you get the Packers to get a touchdown, and then the defense does, let's say on the first drive, get a stop, and then they go down and get another touchdown, already we're thinking, how much time can we dedicate on the ground? Now, the smart thing to do, as we've seen with other teams, is to stick with it, you know, whatever. But at some point, that's not good enough. At some point, you have to turn to the air. You want to help your run defense? Force a team to throw. You want to force a team to throw? Have a dominant offense that's just scoring every drive. And it sounds ridiculous, but that used to be the Packers. We score every drive. The only question, I mean, geez, what was it, three years ago, four years ago? When we were the team that was essentially, we're going to score, and the only problem is when we go up against other teams like the Falcons that score every drive, and then it just becomes a question of which team kicks a field goal first loses. I mean, I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying it's not impossible to get back to that level of offense where a a drive ending and a touchdown was kind of the expectation. So again, I am all on the uh, build up this offense train. But anyways, there you go. There's your game of the day. Green Bay Packers versus Seattle Seahawks uh, in last year's playoffs. Arguably, we'll say, Devontae Adams' greatest game. If you want to take a look, by the way, at his other two games in which he was graded as elite, you know, arguably the other two that could be in contention for best games ever. And it was close because this game he had a grade of 92 overall. Um, The other game in which he was graded out as elite was actually against Philadelphia. Now, I don't know if you actually want to go back and watch that game. Uh, it didn't go very well for the Packers. However, supposedly Devontae was just a freak in that game. And it, I mean, his stats were, were ridiculous. 15 targets, which was the second highest of the year. 10 receptions, which is, again, the second highest of the year. 180 yards, which is the highest of the year. He did not have any touchdowns, unfortunately, but he, he just went nuts in that game. The only other game in which he was graded out is, is, as elite was 2018 Week 8 against the uh, the L.A. Rams. Now, it's kind of surprising because if you look at his stats, seven targets, five receptions, 133 yards, zero touchdowns. However, 26.6 yards per reception. So he didn't have very many targets, but to have five receptions for 133 yards is crazy. 26.6 yards per reception. He also had 7.8 yards per reception after the catch. Imagine getting almost 10 yards per reception after you touch the ball. Longest reception in the game was 48 yards. He had four first downs in that game, passer rating 113.7. So there you go. Those are three Devontae Adams games in which he was graded out as elite. Get excited. Be excited that we got a guy like Devontae on this team. Definitely one of those guys you don't want to look back and say, man, I wish I didn't take that for granted so much. Because I think we all do that sometimes where we just don't realize maybe how good somebody is until you don't have them anymore. But that's going to be it. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.